Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to episode 30 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam Fowser with Fowser Consulting. We hope you like the new format change, especially liking the fact that we've chunked this down for you to better fit it into your busy schedule. With that, let's talk training and hear from Tom Petty. Sam, for today's Let's Talk Training, there's all this food increase, mileage increase, and everybody's worrying about how they use their scales or count their inventory. But I'm thinking we go a slightly different route and go after labor. What do you think? Yeah, I like it. You know, a lot of talk out there in the world about SPLH or sales per labor hour. People are still using uh, labor percentage. Hey, whatever you're using, it's a huge topic. Like Drew said, the food basket is going up. Margins continue to get smaller. And it's important for our leaders in our restaurants to make sure that they are controlling their two biggest costs, which are food and labor. So let's take some time today, Drew, and let's help people run better labor and not with specifics, but let's give them some process and some framework so that they can help meet the goals that their franchisees have set for them. Sam, when I teach about food, I teach that food goes one of three places. It's either going in the trash, in your belly or in the customer's belly. I'm just guessing we could probably tee up labor the exact same way. Oh, I'm, I'm so interested. What three places could labor go? Well, let's see. I'm, I'm literally making this up as we're talking because until this moment, it never crossed my mind this way. So let's see if we can both get there. The first one I'm thinking is in the schedule, right? Because if I don't build a good schedule, so the first part where labor goes is on paper. I like it. If I don't build a good schedule, it's all for nothing. The second place it goes is efficiency. So I'm going to call this that it goes to the team, right? Because if I'm inefficient, I'm paying my people to literally stand around and look at their phone instead of doing what's needed for that customer experience. So paper and team are two of the three places. Okay. So paper schedule and team. I like it. What do you got for the third one? The third one I'm thinking is, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but it, so like efficient is the fact that I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. But then there's the training part of it. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm just really slow at it or I create mistakes because I was under trained. So let's go with training as the third part. How's that feel for you? I like it. So we've got paper. Yep team and training. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. All right. So let's, uh, let's dive into it. So our process is going to be, we've got to figure out where we're missing labor in paper or where we're losing it or where we're wasting it, where we are wasting labor or, or missing the boat in our team. And then where we're missing the boat or wasting labor and training. Am I with you? I, I, I think so. I think this works. Well, cool. Let's start out with the paper piece and the schedule. I don't know about you, but I think that I see a lot of people doing schedules a lot of different ways. We got people using labor scheduler. We got people using a spreadsheet. We got people using whiteboards. We got people using 
uh, chalkboards and chalk, sending up smoke signals, doing their schedule on all of these communication apps, whatever they're doing. Tarot cards. What art? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a tarot card. <laughs> nice tarot cards. They're reading the tea leaves. <laughs> but I think that I think where people are really missing the boat is that they're not doing a great sales forecast. And if you're using labor manager, uh, that sales forecast is so important because it, it connects to so many other things. You know, I was with uh, a manager doing some one-on-one -on -one training a couple of weeks ago and they went to do their food order. And I said, how are you doing your food order? And he says, well, we figure out how many sales and this and that. And then, you know, we put it into EFO and I'm like, well, you know, if I could get you to go away from using this spreadsheet for scheduling and go to labor manager, if you did a great solid sales forecast in labor manager, then your EFO would connect to that sales forecast and you'd save yourself a step. So I think we've got to start with the sales forecasting and you know, way back when you and I ran stores and for me, especially before there were computers, you know, we used to look at things like the weather forecast abacus. and, and um, no, we didn't quite have an abacus yet. We had some rocks uh, and we just spread them around a table. But, you know, we would look at things like the weather forecast and were there any sporting events? Were there any local events? And then we would look at our previous sales from last week and from last month and from last year. And the great thing about our Pulse system is it does all that data collection for us. So it's got a really good starting point. And what the people that are running the very best SPLH and the very best labor hours and getting the very best food costs are doing is they're going into that sales forecast that Pulse has put together with them on all the data that it has. And it's got far more data than I could have ever dreamed of having back in the day. But then they go in and they tweak it just a little bit. They know it's going to rain or snow or sleet or tornado on Tuesday. So they bump it up a little bit. They know that, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, daylight savings time started and maybe Pulse doesn't know that. So your rush is going to come an hour later because it's not getting darker until later. And they're taking all of these things that the human being knows that Pulse doesn't know. And they're taking all that great data from Pulse and then tweaking it with their human knowledge and their knowledge of their neighborhood, you know, because of course at Domino's, we want to be number one in the world and in every neighborhood. So the general manager's got to know their neighborhood. And that's where that sales forecasting really comes into play. And, you know, like you said, that's the first place that we've got a chance to lose labor is if our sales forecast isn't correct, then likely our schedule isn't going to be correct. So Sam, I'm going to give you a little piece of data I remember from my time at the mothership just before I left. We were looking at sales forecast because I was part of the project team. So there are two separate project teams, one that was taking all of the fabulous data that the mothership has and trying to revamp the sales forecast. The other was working on ideals. And I was part of the sales forecast team. And what we found was that at the corporate stores, the more times in a year, because you only do one schedule for a week, right? So the more times in a year, up to 52 times that the manager adjusted the sales forecast, the more their labor was off. No kidding. No kidding. That they overestimated or underestimated whatever changes they thought were going to happen 
hey, there's a big football game this weekend, so it's going to be 35% more. No, it's going to be 5% more. You need a half an hour more or you need one more person before. It was stunning and it was orders of magnitude. It was like if if you adjusted the schedule 26 times a year for the year, you were three and a half percent off on labor. If you did it 52, you were like 6%. Like it was nuts. The more you messed with it, the more you were off. I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying because what you're saying is fundamentally correct, right? Yeah, I'm with you. I just wondered if we dug into that data deeper and I'm just wondering, this is just, you know, just conversation, just two guys kicking this around. I wonder if you dug into it and you actually talked to the people that were changing the sales and found out what they were basing their changes on. I wonder how many of those people that change it every single week we're simply seat of the pants in it and saying, oh, no, this can't be right. I'm going to change it to this. Or, oh, we got our rear ends kicked. You know, kind of like our friend Jeremy said, he got that 915 pop once on a Tuesday 14 years ago. So he plans for it every day. And I wonder if that has anything to do with it. And I, I don't know if it does or it doesn't, because I have not interviewed all those managers that change their sales forecast. Wow, that's something to think about. Pause for thought. But it, it, so, so let's. If you if you think about it, right, the the current model, depending on which toggle you've thrown, is looking at like six weeks of data, right? So under the assumption it has ever rained, or if you're in Michigan, snowed on that Monday, it's picking up that in that forecast, right? And it's just averaging it in. So if it snowed last week, yes, I have to drop it a little bit because I probably had more sales unless I had to close because it was so bad. Then I have to bump it up because it's adjusting it, right? But that shouldn't happen every week. If you stop to think about it from even in Michigan, where our weather is kind of brutal for like six months out of the year, from April to October, I'm only changing it because of 4th of July, Memorial Day, maybe the local high school graduation or a local college graduation. Like, like I'm counting on one hand how many times I might have to change it. The big weather event, oh my God, there's going to be a tornado warning. You're not going to know that a week out. Fair enough. You're not going to be able to adjust your schedule. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. We need to make those adjustments. We need to know when, you know, a local talk here, when Dexter's playing Chelsea in football, right? Because that's going to be a big night and that's going to be a big game. And we need to know that. But when Dexter's playing Tecumseh, and eh, nobody cares. <laughs> Sorry, Tecumseh listeners. <laughs> I think where we meet in the middle and give our listeners something rock solid to go forward with instead of just listening to us talk this through back and forth. Let me see if I can get you to, to agree with this. If you're going to make changes, make sure there's a rock solid reason for those changes and not just a mere pulling something out of the air or, or speculating. And if you do make changes, make sure that they're as accurate as humanly possible. Don't make big sweeping changes. Does that sound good? I love it. And, and let me add something to it. I know plenty of the managers put a calendar in their office where everybody puts down days off requests, right? Because it's the easiest way, a quick little monthly calendar you flip, right? Put your weather on that calendar. That way, when you have a weather event, you can see, oh my gosh, it, it rained and it was whatever, 50 degrees and our sales went up 10%. Okay, cool. I know what's going to happen now the next time it says it's going to rain and it's going to be 50 degrees outside. You can start to use that calendar to help you find the data to make a great decision as opposed to an uneducated guess. 
Yeah, I love that. And, you know, keep those calendars around for more than a year. So you can look back and you can see what drove sales on this. Or if you're looking at power and it says we're this much over last year or this much under, see, see what the reason was. And I think in these times, more than ever, it's important to keep that because we've had some folks that have had staffing challenges that have been so bad that they've been carry out only or they closed early. And if we don't recall that a year from now, we're going to be we're going to be making our schedules blind. So set your future self up for success today by recording what's going on during your day and 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 holding on to those stuff, uh, holding on to those things so that so that you can remember it. Okay, I like that. I think we're I think we're at a good place with sales forecasting. Um, so we've got the sales forecast. The next thing is making the schedule. And man, I'll tell you what, Drew, I saw someone making a schedule just a couple of weeks ago, and they were basically going through every single one of their schedule requests and every single team member had one. And I'll be honest with you, the manager was not making the schedule. The team was, and the manager was simply recording the schedule requests and really wasn't paying attention to what the store needed at all, just simply paying attention to when the team members wanted to work. And I think one of the great recruiting tools we have is that we offer flexible scheduling. And I think we've got to balance that with the needs of the store. Flexible scheduling doesn't mean you come to me and tell me when you're able to work and you get that automatically. It means these are the needs of the store. You tell me what your needs are and let's together come to a consensus that's going to meet the needs of the store and meet your needs as well. Now, with that said, if somebody says, hey, man, I need Thursday off, you got to give them Thursday off. But if they say I want to work Wednesday from two o'clock in the afternoon to four o'clock in the afternoon, and that's my only availability, they might not be a fit because my guess is a two-hour shift between two and four on Wednesday afternoon is not something that's going to meet the needs of your store. And never forget this, gang. You are a for-profit business. Don't be ashamed of that. And to profit, you've got to run labor. And that means having people when you need them for your customer experiences. And sometimes people aren't going to get to work all the times they want to. Is this the oldest thing in the world ever, Drew? Drivers, I need more hours. When can I go home? I need more hours but not those hours. The only thing that beats that is the applicant that says I need 40 plus hours per week. And my availability is Tuesdays, one to four and Thursdays, two to five. Yeah, that's hilarious. You know, I was in a class and we were doing crucial conversations and somebody said to me, well, I've got this guy that wants to work 40 plus hours. He's only available this many days. What do I do? And I said, you do this. And I went up to the whiteboard and I put seven days up and I said, you want 40 hours. You've got three days. That means you've got to work 13 hours a day. Well, I don't want to work 13 hours a day. And I just looked at the participant and I said, well, then you show me the math that puts 40 hours in three days and I'll schedule you for that. I mean, you've got to ship because your team members aren't thinking of those things. No, they're not. And, and when you no. run into those mathematical roadblocks, you've just got to put those mathematical roadblocks in front of your team members so that they understand. And it's not just you being mean. I mean, if somebody can only work three days a week and they want to work 40 hours, unless they're willing, willing to work 13 and a third hours a day, they're not going to get to 40. And that 13 and a third hours a day 
probably doesn't work for your schedule either. No, it probably doesn't. I, I think I want to take this a different route because I think our team puts in all the schedule requests because we build really bad schedules. Yes. I know when I was in corporate and our New York stores went to fair work week and they had to start building schedules two and three weeks out, it drove everybody nuts. How do we run the business? How do we know what to do? But if you stop to think about it, 75% of your team is working the same schedule every week anyway, right? The reason that they keep asking for schedule requests is because you built a bad schedule for the last three weeks and they don't want to work that shift anymore. Or they don't want to work with the person on that shift anymore. Let's ask a tough question right now, shall we? Are you in favor of schedules two weeks out? Actually, yes. Me too. Hear, hear me out. I actually am, and I'm, but, but I don't want them locked. If, if we have an honest conversation with the team, here's the schedule. A week out, I'm going to look at the weather because weather is going to dictate to us what it's going to look like. We might, I might, it's going to be, oh my gosh, in Michigan, the first time it's going to be 70 and sunny send everybody home. Yeah. Just send everybody home. Run. Yep. Yep. Whatever your normal volume is, you're going to do half of that that day. Accept that. Adjust the schedule. Give everybody the day off. Be the good guy. You know, like we said, when we were talking about sales forecasting, those changes aren't going to be huge and they're not going to happen a lot. If they do, you're going to be wrong. So, man, I love what you just said. Let's schedule two weeks out. Don't lock it until a week out so that you can make some minor tweaks. That's that's awesome, dude. You're on to something. From a team member standpoint, you're giving them the benefit of knowing that basically this is your schedule. I don't know about you, Sam, but I still see plenty of clients who, when I talk about what your schedule system is, they're like, uh, forecasts are due on Monday, first drafts are Tuesday, edit on Wednesday, and we post on Thursday. I'm like, great. So when does your crew get it? Well, we really don't actually post till Sunday. Right. What are we doing? <laughs> what do you think about a challenge for the listeners right now? If you've never ever scheduled two weeks out, give it a try for the next eight weeks. Not just try it once and see how it works because there's going to be bumps in the road and there's going to be a learning curve to a new process. But I would say schedule it, schedule yourself two weeks out and see how it goes. And my guess, and call me crazy, and I know you will, Drew, if I am, because I am a lot. I mean, I will. Yeah. But my bet is if you commit to scheduling two weeks out, eight weeks from now, you're going to say to yourself, my gosh, why haven't I been doing this all along? And again, don't lock that second week out. It's, it's framework and you're going to change it based on needs. But, oh my gosh. I mean, how many general managers do you see stressing, man, I got to finish the schedule today. I got to finish the schedule today. Or we're in and a it's room. Like Friday. Yeah, it's like or, Friday. Or I'm oh, in a room with, me nuts. with district managers and people don't even understand what when schedules are due or, oh man, I've got to be on my managers all the time. If we started scheduling two weeks out, that would give you so much built-in buffer and still give your team members the ability to plan their lives outside of work, which is so important in today's labor environment. So that's, that's uh, Drew and I's challenge to you, listener. Start doing your schedules two weeks out. Don't lock in that second one until you get closer and you can tweak it and make the changes. But make a commitment to yourself and to your team to do that for eight weeks. You like that challenge, Drew? Love it. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Now, 
you've got to communicate this to your team because they're probably used to putting in schedule requests Friday. Yeah. You're going to have to talk to them about this. And it might take you two weeks just to get this started because you still have to build the schedule for this week. But oh my gosh, the difference it'll make. And now we want people to actually talk to their teams. Oh my God, this episode is going to get all kinds of backlash. We could do a whole separate episode on talking to the team. Okay. So we've got scheduling, we've got sales forecasts. What else you want to talk about scheduling now that I derailed you? I'm so sorry. No, no. I, it's amazing that we said that there's probably three places we're wasting and we're not going to get through, but the first one on this one. <laughs> so content, content, content. It's beautiful. Actually, I want to talk about the DVR. The DVR. The daily variance report. Oh, man. I thought we were going to watch an episode of Seinfeld or something. Nope. No Seinfeld today, Sam. Okay. So the daily variance report. And that's um, just so make sure we're on the same yep. page because I am not fluid in pulse a lot. But is, that's the report that you get out of the labor scheduler. Correct. It's also in power now. Yeah. Okay, great. And it shows you hourly sales and it shows you hourly deliveries. Uh, it's I, I think it is a super impressive and super valuable report if you want to run labor. Here's where I'm at with it. Take last week's seven reports and use it to refine your schedule. Because I can see when I didn't run enough singles. I can see when my load time went up. I can see when my wait time went up. I can see where my forecast broke because we're starting to get warmer. The sun's starting to stay up later. We're coming up on a time change some point this month, right? So all these things will factor in and I can use that to also dial in because I know from the corporate side, when I was running the training at Team USA, half, half of Team USA's labor waste came after the rush that, that you're supposed to cut on the downward curve of the rush and they were cutting at the bottom. And so what, what was happening was you end up with, especially in the high volume stores, you, you end up with 10 and 15 drivers in a conga line, conga line, conga line, in a conga line waiting to check out. And it's just standing there waiting, waiting. And yes, your really good drivers will go and do something because they know there's three guys ahead of me and I got to wait 15 minutes for this. But you're really not great drivers, which I guess we'll talk about in the team part that don't have an expectation. will just sit on their phone and wait for you for 15, 20 minutes of wasted labor. So use the DVR to make sure that you're making the cuts when you're supposed to make the cut and to build the schedule to make the cut when you're supposed to make the cut. I love that DVR and I was introduced to it uh, by Lance Vosberg, one of my clients in Illinois. And what Lance uses the DVR for, it's very Spartan and it's, it's, it's very antiquated, but Lance and I are both old school type of guys. And he came up with this thing called a shift sheet. So he pulls the DVR from last week and he's got the shift sheet and he writes in the hourly sales and he writes in how many deliveries per hour and how many carry out orders. And, and then what he expects his people to do is to fill out today's actual sales right next to last week's actual sales so that you can see the trend. And the thing that still amazes me after almost 40 years of doing this is that the trends are almost always dead on. I mean, if the first three hours of the day, you're down 10%, you're likely going to be down 10% the rest of the day. So like you said, if you're making those cuts on the downward trend, if you know you're down, if you know it's 70 degrees and sunny and, and lunch was horrible and dinner was horrible, I mean, you can pretty much bet that you should probably be making those cuts before dinner and staying ahead of it so that 
you're not playing catch up. You know, I think you and I have always both said that, you know, food is very scientific and labor is very much an art to run. You've got to stay on top of it hour by hour by hour. You know, food is so simple. Make the pizzas right, order right, don't throw anything away, boom, and you're good. But labor, you've got to keep track of what's, what's my sales trend today? What's going on? And it's, it's hour by hour by hour, and you've got to stay on top of it if you want to run it. And for those of you that are getting bonused on your bottom line profit or on your EBITDA, or maybe you're getting bonused on labor, if you want that money in your pocket, and you should, you got to stay on top of your labor all the time. And that's kind of running the labor during the shift as far as I'm concerned. I had a quote in my quote deck and I can't remember who it's from, but it was, um, I think it was H. Ross Perot, actually. It was, uh, inventories are managed, people are led. The statement's correct, but now I want to adjust it. To run my inventory, I need processes. To lead my people, I need to manage labor. That's the difference, right? Food is literally just following a set of processes. You're doing the same thing over and over and over again, and it'll give you the result you want. But labor, you're doing things to, to verify or validate, and then you still have to do something more to create the result you want. And it's so different than food, which is why I think it creates such an issue because I've got to be literally thinking about it every minute of every day. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So, all right, what else do we want to, what do we want to hit on only, this? It's only a third of, only a third. <laughs> what else do we want to hit on this SPLH or labor piece that we can? We didn't even touch on SPLH. Yeah, we really didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think we did without touching on it. I, I mean, the way you get SPLH is by having the right amount of people to begin with, and then creating efficiencies Correct. with those right amount of people is going to drive that number up, of course. So. Um, you know, I think we we grazed it. Instead of talking SPLH or labor, I think we really talked scheduling, which is so important because it's such an important piece. It's it's the foundation to running labor and the foundation to running SPLH is you've got to start with a strong schedule. And I see far too many people treating the schedule as a task that has to be done instead of using it as a tool for profitability. So let's, we're, we're nearing the end of our uh, 30 minute window here, Sam. So let's recap what we've talked about. Um, what was supposed to start as an SPLH, I happily diverted us to paper team and training. Paper became sales forecasting correctly and as little as possible because the computer is smarter than we are. To build a schedule with the Fowser challenge of doing a two week schedule for the next eight weeks and then use your DVR as a look back to see what you need to do to tweak that schedule that you're building. And again, that DVR is daily variance report found in the labor manager or on power. Literally as daily variance report in power. Sam, I think that's a pretty solid episode for us. So how about you um, crash this boat? No, dock this plane. No. I'm going to land this plane and sooner or later, Damn. I'm going to teach you that's what we're doing at the end is landing the plane. Say it with me, Landing. Drew. We're going to land the boat. this, you land son of a gun. The plane. <laughs> land the plane. Got it. Got it. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening to uh, the two bickering knuckleheads. Uh, we hope you enjoy the new format change. Tune in next week for the next part of this, which will be taken. We'd love it if you'd share these episodes with your friends and then they can hear the two bickering knuckleheads as well. 
Like us, follow us, and subscribe. This has been episode number 30 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam with Foster Consulting. As always, go out and sell more pizza. And have more fun. That's all, folks.